MPB News is leading the way, covering stories that matter to Mississippians with five first-place awards from the Associated Press, including breaking news, radio achievement, and public affairs reporting. Your source for a deeper look at today's top story is MPB News. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, July 12th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, why some Mississippi organizations are demonstrating and urging U.S. senators to vote no to the president's U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Yes, if Roe were to be overturned, which I don't think is likely, you would see abortion no longer permitted in the state of Mississippi. Uh, I think the legislature under both parties has done the work that they can to make Mississippi one of the safest places in the nation to be an unborn child. Then an advocacy group is asking Mississippi's governor to draw his attention to issues in state and not at the border. And in our book club, meet best-selling author Rick Bragg. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. President Donald Trump's nomination of U.S. Circuit Court Judge Brett Kavanaugh is drawing criticism from those who fear he'll pave the way to overturn previous rulings. The Roe v. Wade ruling that legalized abortion is at the top of the list for some. Felicia Brown-Williams is a state director with Planned Parenthood Southeast Advocates. They led rallies this week in Gulfport, Hattiesburg, and Jackson to oppose the nomination. She tells MPB's Desiree Frazier several organizations were behind the effort. Planned Parenthood Southeast Advocates was joined by our partners, the Jackson Women's Health Organization, the Mississippi Reproductive Freedom Fund, the Human Rights Campaign, showing up for, re- for racial justice, um, in addition to Indivisible and the Pantsuit Nation chapter for Mississippi, and the demonstration that we held last night in front of the Mississippi Supreme Court. Um, the reason that we gathered um, last night is that we opposed this nomination of Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court, and we're calling on the Senate to do the same. Um, unless the Supreme, or excuse me, unless the Senate intervenes, Kavanaugh will swing the balance of the court. Um, he will swing the balance of the court on many different issues, one of those being um, the constitutional right to access abortion in this country. Is that your major concern with him? Um, I understand he is a conservative judge, that uh, an abortion would be at risk, or are there other issues as well? Of course. So we as Planned Parenthood, as a reproductive health care provider, um, understand the need for access to safe and legal abortion. Um, that access is our primary concern. However, we know that people who need access to abortion services also need access to all of their constitutional rights. And we are gravely concerned about Kavanaugh's um, very clear bias on the court and the impacts that could have on rights of people across this country. Give us an example. What is it about him that bothers you? Um, President Trump has said explicitly that he will only nominate judges that will overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, There have been people who have not believed to think that the president has said in the past, but we take him at his word. Um, He made his litmus test clear. He is only going to appoint biased judges who would overturn Roe v. Wade and strike down the Affordable Care Act. In essence, what that would do would make abortion illegal in this country, and at the same time, it would leave millions of people without access to health care, including birth control, the very thing that people need to prevent unintended pregnancies. 
What are you hearing from other groups uh, along with yours that are partnering in this effort to protest uh, his being uh, appointed? Of course. So we um, we are hearing from groups across the spectrum uh, with concerns about this particular judge. He has been vetted and has been you know, on the list, as it were, uh, a short list that uh, Trump pulled together of explicitly conservative judges who would um, likely have negative impacts on reproductive health care, on our um, immigrant communities, on the LGBT community, and just on rights in general. Um, we know that um, again, Trump has said that this is who he's going to nominate, and we have to take him at his word because we know that that's what he's going to do. Um, I will also say that this has sparked a grassroots um, has sparked grassroots action across the country. Our events last night were part of a national um, response to the nomination, so it wasn't just uh, protests and demonstrations here in Mississippi. These were held around the country. Um, we know over the last the last 18 months, millions of people have marched. They've flooded the town halls and have hit the halls of Congress. We have had people raising their voices around the country to demand their rights. And if they were fired up now, you better believe that um, that at this point people are raring to go. Um, I think one of the other things that's really important to point out is that the majority of people in this country did not want to see Roe v. Wade overturned. Um, 72% of Americans, and that includes a majority of Democrats, independents, and Republicans, did not want to see Roe v. Wade overturned. So I think that is incredibly important to point out. So we know that people are with us, and we know that folks do not want to see Roe v. Wade overturned, and that is our primary concern with Kavanaugh. What is the significance in your mind of Roe v. Wade after all these years? I am... 41 years old, and Roe is, has been a law of the land my entire lifetime. For many of us, Roe has been the law of the land our entire lifetime. We've heard stories of our mothers, grandmothers, and our elders who have experienced the world before Roe. And what we know is that abortion will always be around. It just won't be safe. Um, and it won't be legal. And when you take the option of safe and legal abortion away from people, that does not mean abortion stops. What happens is people die. It's as simple as that. Um, I will also say that in Mississippi, we have one abortion clinic, the Jackson Women's Health Organization. Their doors being open is absolutely critical to the safety of people in this state. Planned Parenthood State Director Felicia Brown-Williams. Lucian Smith is chair of the Mississippi Republican Party. He tells our Desiree Fraser the left was stirred up to oppose any nomination made by Trump. Well, I think a lot of the controversy uh, is sort of uh, stirred up totally irrespective of who the judge was. I mean, you, you saw that, I think, in the fact that uh, there were pre-printed uh, protest signs for a number of different judges that just happened to pop up after his name came out there. I think you have folks who were going to oppose any person that President Trump appointed. Um, and I think the reason for that is the left has been very effective in winning uh, policy fights in the courts that they couldn't win at the ballot box. And I think having a conservative judge who thinks his job is just to call balls and strikes based on what the law says, uh, I think uh, is causing the Democrats and, and a lot of leftist activists to, to be up in arms. So are you saying that the U.S. Supreme Court has been left-leaning or courts have been left-leaning? 
I think that uh, there is going to be opposition anytime you have a judge who views his role or her role uh, as just interpreting the law rather than making it. And that's that's what Judge Kavanaugh has done for the last 12 years as a member of the D.C. Circuit. It's what he's going to do as a, as a member of the Supreme Court. Um, I think he is an outstanding, very well-qualified judge uh, and ought to be confirmed quickly. So what would you say to those who have fears that um, he would open the door to the abolishment of Roe v. Wade and the Affordable Care Act? It is certainly likely uh, that those issues could come before the court uh, again. Um, you know, I, I, I personally uh, wouldn't mind the court uh, overruling uh, Roe v. Wade, um, but the, the judge will have to weigh you know, the, the facts and the law and determine rather stare decisis, which is the doctrine of following uh, previous precedent, should apply in the case of, of Roe and Casey. Um, but at the end of the day, even if – I don't think that's particularly likely, but if it were to happen, that would just revert that decision back to states who, through their uh, political processes, could determine what their laws regarding abortion were. And so in Mississippi, one of the concerns for some organizations here, advocates who want abortion rights to remain, is that the one clinic in Mississippi, which is in Jackson, would be shuttered and that there are laws in place, existing laws, that could make that happen pretty quickly. Mississippi is one of the states that has a a trigger law, um, which was introduced uh, ironically by Jamie Franks, who was the Democrats' candidate for uh, lieutenant governor uh, back in 2007. Uh, but yes, if Roe were to be overturned, which I don't think is likely, you would see abortion no longer permitted in the state of Mississippi. Uh, I think uh, the, the legislature under both parties has done the work that they can to make Mississippi uh, one of the safest places in the nation, if not the safest place, to be an unborn child. But I, I certainly think they've had to do that uh, around what the Supreme Court has said is constitutional. But uh, it, were Roe to be overturned, you're right, that uh, that law would go into effect. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about um, Kavanaugh's appointment or the concern of those who are opposed to it? The only thing I'd, I'd add, uh, I think the question that senators need to ask themselves is, is this a person who is qualified? And I think you would be very hard-pressed to find someone who was more qualified for the court, a former U.S. Supreme Court clerk uh, to Justice Kennedy, a graduate of Yale Law School, uh, a brilliant mind with over a decade uh, on the court, uh, and I think, uh, I think he will make an excellent judge. Lucian Smith, chair of the Mississippi Republican Party, we thank you so much. Thank you, Desiree. Felicia Brown-Williams is urging people to tell their U.S. senators not to confirm the nominee. Planned Parenthood doesn't operate an abortion clinic in Mississippi. The only one in the state is in Jackson and independently operated. Coming up, an advocacy group is asking Mississippi's governor to draw his attention to issues in state and not at the border. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Representative Jim Jordan is forced to answer for his past. It's false. I mean, I never saw, never heard of, never was told about any type of abuse. If I had been, I would have dealt with it. Decades-old accusations of sexual misconduct at Ohio State follow the congressman back home to his district. I'm Tanzina Vega, and that's next time on The Takeaway from WNYC and PRI, Public Radio International. Today at 2 on MPB Think Radio.
Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash car tag. We'll see you on the road. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The American Civil Liberties Union of Mississippi says Governor Phil Bryant should recall the state's troops from the U.S.-Mexico border. The advocacy organization is part of a coalition fighting against the separation and detention of migrant families at the border. Governor Bryant says he will not. This after Bryant had ordered Mississippi National Guard troops to the border to assist in the immigration enforcement. The governor defended the government's policy at an event last week. I think I'll let the, the, uh, the president who has issued an executive order, but I will say if I uh, am a law enforcement officer in Mississippi and I stop you and arrest you and you have a child in the car, you're going to be separated from that child. So these parents that brought these children to the border realized they were violating the law. They were putting those children in harm's way. As I saw immigration officers who talked about these children being raped on the way to the border, as that was an expectation of occurring. So if I'm a parent, am I going to put my child in harm's way and abuse that child, neglect that child? Uh, If you do that in the state of Mississippi, we're probably going to take that child away. Zakia Summers is Director of Communications and Advocacy with the ACLU of Mississippi. She tells MPB's Ashley Norwood the separation has been taking place for too long. What's happening is what has been happening for far too long. Immigrants who are still coming to the U.S. seeking asylum are being criminalized, are being detained, and the Trump administration is still um, forcing these families into cages and having them detained indefinitely. Um, The ACLU was a part of uh, a coalition of partners uh, that filed loss that filed a lawsuit in federal court that um, and the federal court essentially ruled that those who are seeking asylum still have basic constitutional rights and they cannot be detained without going through a process. Why is it important for ACLU to be advocating for um, those migrant parents that want to reunite with their kids? It's important for us to advocate and support the immigrant community because they're part of the community. They have rights, and the ACLU of Mississippi supports all constitutional rights and supports civil liberties and civil rights for all. And although we don't have a large body of work that's focused on immigrant rights, we know that an injustice to any one of us um, is a threat to justice to all of us. Um, You know, this is not just about a political issue. Children should not be used as pawns as part of an agenda. We have to go back to, you know, human dignity and respect and having compassion for human beings. And unfortunately, the immigrant community is being treated as less than human. 
And so it's important to the American Civil Liberties Union of Mississippi that we call those things out and that we also hold our government officials accountable when they're supporting measures and practices and policies that mistreats a group of people. I know the ACLU put out some actions or some calls for action um, specifically for the state government. Um, Talk about some of those things and how you think those steps might resolve the issue. Our governor said that he would vow to support the Trump's administration's zero-tolerance policy. Our call to action is that the governor recalls those troops, refuses to send any state support to what's happening at the border, and further refuses to support any other practices or policies that criminalizes immigrant communities and separates and detains families indefinitely. Quite frankly, we have more issues happening within our own state lines that we should be putting our attention to instead of using taxpayer dollars and sending resources to the border in a fight that's not even our own. We should be figuring out strategies and ways that provide education, equitable education to our children. We should be looking at ways that support an infrastructure that's going to provide jobs to so many Mississippians who are unemployed. We should be using those resources in a way that's going to benefit the people right here at home. And so we call on the governor to reconsider, and we call on the governor to answer our call and to keep Mississippi first in this situation and to also say now it's time for Mississippi to change the tide and be on the right side of history. Zakia Summers with the ACLU Mississippi. Thank you so much, Zakia. Thank you. Coming up in our book club, meet best-selling author Rick Bragg. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Are you looking for something fun to do this summer? You should check out the MPB events calendar. It has tons of great events. We're talking water slides, kids' activities, and even some summer night concerts that are just awesome. If you want to find something nearby or far away, check it out because we have activities across the whole state. If you want a date night or a play day, we have that covered too. There's tons to do for any age, anywhere, anytime. And it's all online at mpbonline.org. There are so many interesting, healthy, and unusual sports open to Mississippians, from archery to lacrosse to Zumba. Well, that last one really isn't a sport, but it is a fitness activity. MPB Season Pass hopes to introduce you to a pastime you might like to try or at least help you learn a little something about the game. Host Jay White brings you experts from around the state and lets you know what's going on near you so you can watch, cheer, or participate. MPB Season Pass, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. 
Rick Bragg is a New York Times bestselling author with books and magazine contributions under his belt. The Alabama resident is preserving his Southern heritage in his new book entitled The Best Cook in the World, Tales from My Mama's Table. Bragg dishes on his mother, Margaret, who does not own a single cookbook, yet creates good food and tells great stories. The book is part memoir as well as a tribute to his family history and favorite recipes. Rick Bragg tells us more. Except for maybe raising us, she is most proud of her food. She says, like a lot of cooks will say, it's the only thing I've ever been good at. Well, that's not really true, but but it is definitely the thing that she is most proud of. You can't walk through her kitchen and not know that, absolutely, because it always smells like bacon cornbread or bacon biscuits or, or just bacon grease, just that wonderful smell of yesterday's bacon. Most terrifying day of my life was when I walked into her kitchen. She was in the hospital battling cancer. She's fine now, but, but at that time, we were not certain. I walked in the house to get her some clothes to take to the hospital, and all those smells were gone. It was just that old iron smell of, uh, of kind of an old iron skillet or an old Dutch oven. Does she still cook? Oh, yeah. She's more frail now, than, and she would not like to hear me say that, but she's more frail now than she was before her illness, but oh gosh, she still cooks. She cooked butter rolls, which is really just kind of a sweet dumpling, the other day, and I almost made myself sick eating them. <laughs> and, uh, she has made many times since she got out of the hospital her signature. We call it beef and taters. It's a really fatty, and I realize that many, many delicate people would not think this sounds good, but it's a really, really fatty beef short rib, and it kind of slow cooks and melts into those potatoes and onions and that with hot cornbread, green beans, and we eat slaw with everything. We have carrots and cabbage and a little bit of mayonnaise and black pepper. I mean, that to me will always be kind of a signature. Is everything your mother makes or was everything she made from scratch? Pretty much everything. Now, she will point out that self-rising flour and self-rising cornmeal ranks right up there with the polio vaccine as one of the great inventions of our time. She will tell you that there are many, many fine uses for the pet Ritz pie shell. And she will also admit under duress there might, might possibly be one or two uses for canned biscuits, though not as biscuits. Oh, something else. You have to repurpose yeah, them? It's, yeah, it's something else. Uh, but no, she, she probably makes biscuits, I don't know, four days a week. Makes cornbread, probably seven. How many of the recipes are handed down from previous generations, and how far back do the recipes go? Some go back to my daddy's people, or a lot of Creek and Cherokee on my daddy's side of the family. Some of the dishes, like a, a cornmeal porridge, we call broth because it starts with a good meat broth, usually chicken. But it has been done with squirrel and rabbit. I'm sure anything you can get a hold of, including probably possum. Some of them go back to Reconstruction. Most of them go back to a mean old man named Jimmy Jim Bunnam, who was a flinty-eyed knife fighter and fist fighter who loved good altercation, and he had to flee the state after one terribly bloody altercation and 
when my grandfather married my grandmother, he discovered that she could not cook. And out of desperation, after my grandmother ran off all the great aunts and aunts and others who tried to teach her to cook, my grandfather thought, who do I know that can cook and can stand up to this mean woman at the same time? The only person he could think of was his own father, who had cooked on chain gangs and logging crews and cooked for men that would fight you if the biscuits weren't any good. So he went and got his daddy, went into the mountains, fetched his father, brought him down to the foothills, which is a completely different world from the deep mountains, and said, Daddy, please teach my wife to cook, for I am starving to death. Eventually, not only did the mean old man teach the hard-headed young woman how to cook, they became good friends and became best friends. And, you know, there was love there between them. And if that's not a story to mix in with your food, I, I don't know what is. So that's, that's where it began. Rick Bragg is the author of The Best Cook in the World, Tales from My Mama's Table. Rick, thank you for being with us. No, thank you. This is fun. Listen tomorrow at 8.30 from Mississippi.